Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir in Chaim Aran. We're continuing in the section entitled Avedas Hashem, paragraph Tofayin Dalid, 474. <coughs> we dedicate the learning today, Lilo Nishmas, all those that need an Aliyah's Neshama, and for a complete Refu Shalema for all those that need it. <coughs> Parshas Kisisa in the Chumish begins with the words, Kisisa es roish b'nei Yisrael. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, when you're going to want to count the heads of the Jewish people, and Hashem says, don't count heads, but rather each person should give a half a shekel. V'nosnu ish koifer nafshoi. Each one should give a redemption a sense for themselves. <coughs> so Rabbeinu Zal once commented, in Hebrew, the term for business is masa umatan, giving and taking in a sense, masa umatan. So Rabbein Azal said, kisiso is zebechinas masa, that's like the term masa, and venosnu, to give, is the term matanu, saying that the opening words of this parsha are, are dealing, speaking you know, in hint form, about a person conducting business. We know Rabbi Nezal says that the tikkun for masa umatan is tztaka, that when a person gives tztaka, that's the tikkun for the money that a person earns or tries to earn in business. <clears throat> the next paragraph, Tofayin Hay, Rabbi Nezal says, I heard from Rabbi Yitzchak, the son-in-law of the Trovitz Magid, he told me that he heard from Rabbi Nezal that when a person is traveling, they should be especially careful to make sure to go to the mikveh regularly. <coughs> because mikveh can protect a person, chas v'shalom, from bandits, murderers, anything like that. And it's a known thing in Breslov in general the men try as much as possible to be Zohir and Mikvah, if at all possible to go to the Mikvah daily, but especially when a person is traveling, on a day that a person has to travel, there's an extra seriousness about trying to make sure to toivel in the Mikvah. <coughs> the next item, Tofayin Vav 476, Rav Nosanzal writes that this was copied from a manuscript from Rabbeinazal. Certain kavanahs that he wrote when he was a child that a person should keep in mind when eating. Shulchan, the word shulchan, the Hebrew word for table, is bigimatria klipa nidche piha. The, cle- the mouth of the klipa should be pushed away with the koilel, adding one to combine t- the three words together. Meaning that we know that when a Jew is eating, when a Jew is doing anything, there are forces of evil that want to try to draw energy from it. And especially when it comes to eating, <clears throat> eating can be a gashmius experience, a person's eating because they like the food, because they want food, that kind of thing. Or eating could be a holy experience. The Gemara says that during the time of the Beis HaMikdash, 
when a Jew would want to have a sin forgiven, they would bring a korban on the Mizbeach. Nowadays that we don't have a Beis HaMikdosh, the table of a Jew is like a Mizbeach. If a person eats Bikdusha, a person makes the bracha with kavana, the proper bracha, and a person eats with derecheretz, like a mensch, and a person eats the right amount, and slowly, as if they're sitting in front of a very important person, then the eating is a very holy experience. And then these forces of evil, these klipois, are not able to draw energy to take from it. The next item, Rabbein Zal wrote, Shulchan is bigimatria, Hashem yekorveni, yudke vavke yekorveni, may Hashem bring me close. We know that Rabbein Zal has a chapter in Likud Imran, in the second half of Likud Imran, where Rabbein Zal speaks about that, that during eating, a person can achieve a heora sarotzain, a person can achieve an incredible strong yearning and desire for Hashem. And Rav Zal elaborates on this a lot throughout Likut HaLochis. So Rav Zal said that the word shulchan, when it's spelled with a vav, is bigimatria yudke vavke yekorveni. Hashem should bring me, yekorveinu, should bring us close. When somebody needed a refuah, a cure, somebody was sick, Rav would have in mind that the word shulchan is bigimatria tzurefuah, for refuah. And again, by eating properly, eating bigdusha, that that should help to bring about the refuah for that person. The next item, shulchan, is bigimatria shach chesed. The term shach, shin chof, we know is mentioned in Sifrei Kabbalah often, that that refers, that's one of the terms that's used to refer to the Midas Hadin of Hashem. We know that the word din, Dalet Yud Nun, is Bigimatria 64. <clears throat> and the Zohar Kodesh speaks about five gvurois, five units of din, five times 64 is Bigimatria 320, which is shach. And this is a term that's used in the Zohar Kodesh and the writings of the Arizal that we want to sweeten the shach dinim. Rabbein Azal speaks about this also in a few places. So the word shulchan is bigimatria shach chesed, 320 plus 72, to show that this is, this is an item of hamtoka sadinim, that the chesed, the kindness of Hashem, should overpower the midah sadin. And Rabbein Azal wrote, because there are four types of chesed. Another gematria, the word shulchan, is bigimatria chashmal. The term chashmal, which the Sifrei Kabbalah tell us, chashmal refers to a certain light that cloaks the ten spheroids, the ten midas of Hashem. The word chashmal is bigimatria 378. When you add the ten for the ten spheroids, chashmal, Plus 10 is bigimatria, the word shulchan. An additional item, we know that there's a number 370 that's used in the Sifrei Kabbalah often, 
Vishin Ayin Nohirin of the Oyer Haponim, the 370 lights of Hashem's face. And this refers to a variety of different things. Sometimes it refers to the 10 attributes of Hashem, which are divided into two categories. The three upper ones, Chachma Bina Das or Keser Chachma Bina, which are referred to as hundreds, and the seven lower ones, which are referred to as tens. So the number 370 represents the full measure, all of these ten midas of Hashem. So Rabbein Azal had written that the word Shulchan is bigimatria shin ayin chai. We know there's a Pesach in Mishle where the Pesach says, bi'or penei melech chayim, with the light of the, li- of the face of Hashem, who is the living king. So again, this Pasuk speaks about Oyer Pnei Melech, the light of Hashem's face, which is usually referred to by this number 370, and Chaim, life, alive. Rab Nosenzal says this was found on a, on, a, on a piece of paper that Rab Nosenzal had written in his youth, different kavonois related to eating, a person, things a person could have in mind while eating to bring about Hamtoka Sadinim. <coughs> The next paragraph, Tofayin Zayin, 477, relates to one of Rabbeinazal's close students. We mentioned him in the past. This was Reb Doiv, who was originally a student of Reb Yudel. Reb Yudel was a tremendous Talmud Chacham, very knowledgeable in Kabbalah, and he had his own students before he came to Rabbi Nachman. And we know that during Rabbeinazal's time, there were people that opposed him. There was major opposition. This Rebutal lived far away from Rabbeinazal, from Rabbi Nachman, and his student Rebdoiv, there were certain circumstances that came up in his life where he had to move to the city where Rabbeinazal was going to be at the time. I believe it was in Medvedevka. So Rebutal warned his student, I heard that there's this rabbi there, Rabbi Nachman, make sure you don't go to him. And Reb Doiv listened, this was his rabbi, for a period of time. However, there's a posuk, Batsarlecha Umitsaucha, that sometimes it's specifically when a person's in a tight spot, when a person has a crisis, a problem, that can help the person find Hashem. That can help the person, that motivates the person to go searching for a tzaddik. So this Reb Doiv was married for a while and he didn't have children and it was bothering him tremendously. <clears throat> so at one, one point, he decided, even though he had been told not to go, he decided he's going to go see Rabbi Nezal. And he spoke to him, and one of the things he spoke to him about was about the issue of children, that he and his wife were married for a while and don't have children, and he wants desperately to be zeichet to children. So Rabbi Nezal said to him, you need to give tzedakah. By giving stuck, this will help you be able to have children. Srebdoiv so said he can't, he doesn't have. He was living off with by his in-laws. He was being supported by his in-laws. He didn't have any income at the time. So Rabbenazal said to him, Okay, no problem. Then have emuna. Strengthen work on your emuna, because emuna is like tzedakah. There's a posit by Avram Avinu where the Pasuk says, Vehe'emin Bashem, Avram Avinu believed in Hashem, Vayachshevehaloit Stoka, and Hashem considered it like Stoka. 
So he told him, work on your emuna, and you'll be able to have children. And he told him also that emuna, the word emuna, is bigimatria bonim, exactly. Emuna is 102, and bonim is 102. And sure enough, Baruch Hashem, his wife became pregnant, and he was able to have a child. And he became very close to Rabbi Nezal. He would come in to see him often. And then circumstances changed, where he was no longer going to be living with his in-laws, so he was going to go back to where, where, where he had come from originally, the city of Rebutal. So before he left, he said to Rabbi Nezal, what do I do when I see my rabbi from before, who told me not to come and see you, and now I'm very close to you. Rabbi Nezal said to him, don't worry at all. You don't have to worry. You didn't do anything wrong by not listening to him regarding this item. Go and, and do your thing. Rabbi Doiv went. Rabbi Yudl saw him. And Rabbi Yudl saw that Rabbi Doiv had grown a lot. He saw that he, 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 he hadn't gone down in any way in his religion. He had become much, much better. So Rabbi asked him, <clears throat> what, what have you been doing? And he told him, I, you told me not to go see this rabbi, but I felt I had to and I did. And I got tremendous inspiration and motivation from him. So Rabbi Yudl said, good, then I have to go see him also. And Rabbi Yudl and a friend of his, I don't remember this moment who was the other one, they both set out to go see Rabbi Nezal, and they were poor, they didn't have much money, they, they went, they walked a major part of the way. And there's a whole beautiful story about how Rabbi Yudl came to Rabbi Nachman at first, and he came in and he said, Yilamdenu Rabbeinu Derech Bavoides Hashem. Let the, the rabbi teach us a path in coming close to Hashem. Rabbi Nezal looked at him and he said, Lodas There's a passage that says that there'll come a time when the path of Hashem will be known in the ground. Because Rabbi Nezal wasn't pleased with the attitude he was coming in like a rabbi coming to a rabbi. If a person is coming to a rabbi, he comes like a student, not like a rabbi. And there's a whole beautiful story. Rabbi Yudl became one of the very, very close students of Rabbi Nezal. And again, it came about through this Rabbi Doiv, who had this issue with not having children, and that's what pushed him to be able to go see Rabbi Nezal, and Rabbi Nezal revealed to him this information about Staka and Emuna. Any questions? We know that by Avram Avinu, the Pusik says Avram Avinu didn't have children for many years till he was 100 years old. And Hashem said to Avram Avinu, Lech lecha Leave your country, leave the culture that you grew up with, and leave your family, and come to the land that I'll, tell, I'll show you. He didn't reveal to Avram Avinu right away even which land it was. And Hashem promised him, I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. And you'll be a blessing. On the words, I believe Rashi points out, quoting the Gemara, that Hashem said, I'll bless you with children. In Eretz Yisroel, you'll have children. Why? Because we know Eretz Yisroel is the center of Emunah. The Pasuk says, Shchon Eretz If a person is zeichet to come to Eretz Yisrael, and a person connects to Eretz Yisrael to the Emunah of Eretz Yisrael, that gives this bracha for children.
questions? The next paragraph, Tofayin Ches, 478, <clears throat> there's a Sefer called the Sefer Roziel Hamalach. And it's a Sefer that has all kinds of names of Hashem in it, a lot of things that many people can't really read or understand. And there are those that say that this is a Sefer that was given to Adam Arishon by this angel. Rabbein Azal said, that this, this Sefer does not come from Adam Arishon, and it's not the Sefer that the, uh, an angel gave to Adam Arishon, and it does not have the power to protect a home from fire. There were people that said that it's a good thing to have this Sefer in your house, it's a Shmirah, and Rabbi Nezal said there was an incident where that Sefer got burned. And Rabbi Nezal writes that Rabbi Nezal gave several proofs to this, that this Sefer was not, does not go back to the time of Odom Arishon, not given to him by this Malach at all. The next paragraph, Tofayin Tess, Rabbi Nezal said that by telling stories about Tzadikim and thereby people being able to, to get real emuna, faith and respect for Tzadikim, this brings about hamtoka sadinim. This can sweeten any harsh degrees, any harsh judgments, and the person is able to draw chesed, to draw kindness from Hashem. Where do we see this? There's a pasuk, Magdil Yeshua Ismalkoi, Vo'ise Chesed Lemeshichoi. We know the Gemara says, Man Malki Rabonon. Who are the kings of the Jewish people? The rabbis. So, Magdil Yeshua Ismalkoi, if a person makes great, they elaborate on the Yeshua's that the kings have done, that the Tzadikim did, they tell over stories of great things from the Tzadikim, the Oise Chesed, this will give Chesed to the one who speaks it. The one who says this, this can bring about tremendous, can bring down a flow of Chesed and Hamtoka Sadinim. It's interesting, we were learning Likut HaLochis this morning, completely different area, Nyoradeya, Hilchas Kilayim, and this topic came up. There's a chapter in Likut Imran, chapter 29 in Likut Imran, where Rabbein speaks about Tikkun HaKloli. And he speaks about, he says, the Tikkun HaKloli for money is Tzedakah. The Tikkun HaKloli for speech is telling stories of Tzadikim. And he speaks about the Tikkun HaKloli in general, which is Tikkun HaBris. And, and uh, there's a story regarding one of Rabbi Nezal's students at the time who had a major crisis. He was doing business. He was an agent. In those days, the government sometimes would give a person the, 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 the privilege of selling certain things to the government. He was a distributor, and they would say, we'll buy all of our wine through you. We'll buy all of this product from you. And there was an agent at the time who was one of Rabbi Nezal's students, and he got into a whole crisis with some of the people he was doing business with, and he was supposed to go see them right after the holiday, right after Shavuos. And he was very worried about this meeting because him going up against three or four of these people who he understood were very not happy with him. And he was worried about how this is going to work out. 
And on that Shavuos, Rabbein Azal said this Torah, where he spoke about speaking the praises of tzaddikim, that that's the tikkun akloli for speech. That gives that that ensures that a person's speech should be proper. And he understood that he's going into this meeting, he's got to make sure he needs Hashem to help him to say the right words, that they should be willing to listen to him, they shouldn't want to chop him up, they shouldn't want to kill him. So sure enough, he made sure that from the time that he left Rabbein Azal after Shavuos, till he got to that place, he was talking to the wagon driver that was taking, t- taking him, and he was telling him stories about Rabbi Nachman, all kinds of stories. Sure enough, when he got there, he said they had the meeting, and they, he, he made his speech, and they accepted what he said completely, and everything worked out the right way. It worked out in a positive way. Rav Nelson Zal writes, in addition, I heard about the Pasuk where Hashem says the, 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 to, to Hagar, Kumi se'iye sanar, get up and carry the child. This is either a malach that spoke to Hagar at the time. boy, and hold on to him with your hand. Ki because I am going to make him into a great nation. And in addition, there's another, and Rabbein Azal had given a shear on this topic, on this pasuk. Then another pasuk, this was we, the Torah portion we read yesterday on Shabbos, Parshas B'Shalach, where when Hashem took the Jews out of Egypt, He didn't take them on a straight path, He took them on a circular path in order to avoid coming into contact with the Pelishtim at the time. And then there were several other shiurim that Rabbi Nachman had given before he traveled to Eretz Yisrael. But Rabbi Nassim Zal writes, however, because, because I heard from Rabbi Nachman that he did not want to publish any of the shiurim that he gave before Eretz Yisrael, and even those few that were printed, Rabbi Nassim was not happy about it. He wasn't happy. It's only the Torah that he said after he came back from Eretz Yisrael, that's what he wanted should be published. Rabbi Nassim said he was ashamed of the Divrei Torah that he said before he went to Eretz Yisrael. That's how much of a difference it made to him having been in Eretz Yisrael versus before he was in Eretz Yisrael. And, and Rabbi Nassim writes that Rabbi Nassim told him that even not his public shurim, but even conversations that he had, regular conversations with people that took place after he had been in Eretz Yisrael, he said, that's worth writing down. That's worth publishing. So therefore, Rav Zal says, I don't want to publish the things Rav Zal said on these two psukim that we just quoted, even though to us, the Torah that he said before he went to Eretz Yisrael, to us, this looks great. It's beautiful things. But the fact that because even before he went to Eretz Yisrael, he was an incredible chiddish. However, he says, who's going to challenge the king? There's a pasuk, mi Who's going to start up with the king? Who's going to challenge the king if the rabbi said he doesn't want this published? So I'm not doing it. He says, however, there were some rare exceptional cases where I couldn't hold back. And there are a few small chapters in Likud Imran which are from the Torahs that Rabbi Nezal said before he got to Eretz Yisrael. Question in the chat. 
question in the chat. How can a person make sure that their telling praises of tzaddikim won't be considered Lashon Hara, meaning that it's very possible that other people hearing all of those praises will want to prove that these tzaddikim are not as great as most people believe. <clears throat> and this will result in Lashon Hara being spoken. The answer is that the Zohar Kodesh says, Zako mandemalel al deshoma. Fortunate is the person who speaks to ears that are willing to listen. Before a person tells something to somebody, you have to know who you're talking to. And when a person is telling all the things that, are, that depend on emuna, you have to first think carefully whether that person is on the level of emuna, whether they believe in tzaddik, or they don't believe in tzaddikim, whether a person is going to hear this and, and respect it, or chas v'shalom not. That's a decision that a person has to make in general when talking to people, when trying to bring a person close to Hashem. You have to think carefully whether the person is ready to hear what I'm saying. Because the Gemara says, just like it's a mitzvah to tell someone something they're going to listen to, it's a mitzvah not to tell someone something that you know they're not going to listen to. There's a story that I once heard from Rav Rosenfeld, a beautiful story, <coughs> that one of the great tzaddikim, I believe it was the first Vishnitz Rebbe, I think the Avas Yisrael, that he lived in a city in, in Europe, and at one point somebody came to him and told him a terrible story that there's an almana, a widow, whose husband passed away a while ago, and she struggles to support a family, <coughs> and she lives in a rented apartment, and the owner of the apartment is a wealthy person, and she hasn't been able to come up with all the rent, and he told her that he's going to throw her out. If he doesn't get paid by a certain day, she's out on the street, he doesn't care, winter, it doesn't matter, it doesn't mean anything to him. He heard this, and he immediately got up and started putting on his coat. So the student told him, you, you don't know this person. He has no respect for rabbis. To him, the only thing that matters is money. He's very wealthy, and he's not, he doesn't care, period. The rabbi wasn't interested. He told his rabbi, come with me. They go, they travel to, the, to where the person lives, a mansion. He lives in a beautiful mansion. And the rabbi <coughs> rings the bell, and waiting and waiting, and sure enough, a servant comes, opens the door, who are you? He says who he is, <clears throat> and we're here to see the, the master of the house. Okay, please wait. Tells them to come in, they look like respectable people, they come into the house, it's a mansion, beautiful, beautiful, everything there looks regal. And they come into a room, they're sitting there waiting, they're waiting a few minutes, and the 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 host comes in. He sits down and he sits opposite them and he's waiting for them to talk. And the rabbi is looking at him and he's staring at him and he can tell that the rabbi is serious but not saying anything. He waits a minute or two. You can imagine in the silence, a minute or two feels like a long time. And then he figures, maybe they want me to speak first. So he says, I'm sure you look like important people. I'm sure you came here for an important reason. Can can I hear what you're here for? And the rabbi is just looking at him, staring at him. He's wondering, what, what in the world is this all about? Goes on for another couple of minutes, and then the rabbi says to his rabbi, we can leave. And now he's curious, what in the world is this all about? He sees the rabbi is not a joker, you know, there's got to be a reason for this. 
So he says, you came here for a reason. Tell me what you came for. He says, no, I'm not going to tell you because you're not going to listen anyway. How do you know? How do you know? Maybe I will listen. No. No. And he's back and forth, back and forth. And then the rabbi says, I came finally. He insists. And he says, I'll tell you what I came. I came here to fulfill a Gemara. There's a Gemara that says that just, I came here to do a mitzvah. What mitzvah? The Gemara says that just like it's a mitzvah to tell someone something they're going to listen to, it's a mitzvah not to tell them if you know they're not going to listen. So I came here to fulfill that mitzvah. And now I can leave. He's walking out the door. And now his curiosity is killing him. And he's wondering, what, what could it be? You know, I, there's, there are very few things I can't handle. So he says, please, what if I give you my word that I'll, I'll listen? What? You're not going to listen. I know you're not going to listen. What if I give you a kiaskaf? I'll shake your hand. He says, yeah, really? You mean it? He says, yeah, yeah, of course. He says, give me your hand. He says, you, you, you're going to listen to whatever I tell you to do. He says, then you low life, you nothing. You're living here in a mansion like this, and you, you're not ashamed to take rent from a, a poor person like that, a widow who doesn't have a husband, doesn't have, you're threatening. For the rest of her life, she doesn't pay any rent. You've got to pay her to live in your house, you know. And that was the end of the story. That's this mitzvah fulfilling the mitzvah of not telling somebody something when you know that they're not going to listen. Any questions? Cover that already. Okay. The next item, tough pay. <clears throat> Rav Nosanzal says, I heard from Rav Enazal that he said that when a person swallows their spit, that helps cleanse the body. The saliva is something that has a, the ability to clean out the digestive system, to cleanse, cleanse the body. The next item, <coughs> Tov Pe'alef, like some of the items in Chayim Aran, <coughs> are things that we don't necessarily understand completely, but Rav Zal documented it, because if Rav Zal said it, there must, it must have some special meaning to it. Rav Zal said that the moon... <coughs> came to the sun with a complaint. How come the sun has it so easy? The sun shines by day, he works, he has daylight, day hours, and during the summertime, and I, the moon, I have to work the night shift, I have to work at night, and especially the long nights, the long winter nights, the moon has extra hours then. And in the cold, so the sun tried to console the moon that, okay, you're suffering from cold and darkness. We'll prepare a garment. I'll make a garment for you. <clears throat> and they called all the well-known tailors at the time, Bolshevoy, Galavna. These were people that were reputed to be very special tailors that they should prepare a garment for the, for this, for the moon. So there were some tailors that weren't so experienced, weren't so special. They wanted to go also, but they realized that if they're not calling us, then, then uh, it's not for us to come. So those very professional tailors went, and they said that there's no way in the world that we can prepare a garment for the moon. Why? Because the moon changes in size. One day it's smaller, one day it's bigger. How do you make a garment for the moon? 
Therefore, there's no way that we could come up with a proper measurements So the, the smaller, the less experienced tailors came along and they said, we'll work it out. We'll, may, we'll prepare a garment for the moon. But then they, 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 they said to them, if those very professional tailors couldn't do it, you're not going to be able to do it either. This is something that Rabbi Nezal said. We know that the Jewish people are compared to the moon. The other nations are compared to the sun, which is more static. The Jewish nation is compared to the moon, especially the kings of the Jewish people. And the the Jewish nation is something that's going up or going down, just like the moon, the first half of the month. It's growing, it's going higher and higher, it's increasing in size. The second half of the month, it's becoming smaller and smaller. So too, this represents the aliois and yeridois that the Jewish people go through. Obviously, there was something deep that Rabbi Nassau <coughs> was referring to here. We know that the moon represents the malchus, the sphere of malchus, <coughs> and the garments, the clothing of a person, is referred to as the kovoid, or the malchus of a person. We just had this recently, that the Gemara says Rabbi Yochanan referred to his clothing as his kavod. That's his respectability. <coughs> The next item, Tough Pay Bays, 482. Rabbi says, Rabbi Nassau was once speaking to me about the topic of humility and how that's the real truth, that's the ultimate truth <clears throat> for a person to know and realize how small we are compared to Hashem, compared to the great Sadiqim. And Rabbi Nassau also spoke about the topic of a person serving Hashem with being able to serve Hashem without looking for anything in return, without any expectation, without wanting any reward for it at all whatsoever. <clears throat> and Rav Nassau writes, however, we know that people always need things. We always want things from Hashem. There are always things that we need. And, Ra- and Rav Nassau says that when Rav Nassau spoke about this, he read my mind. Because these questions regarding humility and this other topic about getting to a level where a person is serving Hashem without wanting anything in return were things that were bothering me for a while. And Rabbi Nassau read my mind. He knew that I had these questions. <clears throat> and yet Rabbi Nassau did not give any real answer or explanation. However, I understood from what he was saying I understood that, number one, he knows what I'm thinking, and yet he can't can't provide an answer now. And Rav Nosenthal says, what what I ended up taking out of the whole thing, I understood that regarding these things, it requires, simply requires tremendous effort on the person, tremendous effort in Torah and Tefillah to plead with Hashem a lot, <clears throat> to be zeichet, to true humility, number one, because Rabbi Nezawan said humility doesn't mean walking with your, in the street with your head down. <clears throat> and humility doesn't mean moichen dekatnus. It doesn't mean I can't do anything. Hashem wants us to do. Hashem says, get up like a lion in the morning. So Hashem doesn't want me to be a mouse. He wants me to be a lion. He wants me to be an eagle. He wants me to run like a deer. So how does that go together with humility? 
The answer is a person has to pray very, very hard to Hashem, that Hashem should help me know what anova amiti is, what's real humility. It doesn't mean being a shlamazla, it doesn't mean not getting things done. A person could get everything done, <coughs> learning a lot and davening, and yet at the same time not be arrogant, that the recognition the person realizes that whatever I do, any positive things, any good things that I do, it's only with the grace of Hashem. It's only through Hashem's kindness that I'm able to accomplish these good things. And Rav Nosan is a short tefillah, may it, may it be the will of Hashem that we should be zeichet to all of this, be'emes u be'shleimus, you know, for real and complete. Any questions? The next item, tough pay gimel. Rav Nosanzal says that one time <coughs> our community was suffering tremendously, felt terrible that we weren't able to do Kiddush Levana. No, it was rainy, very rainy, very cloudy, weren't able to see the moon one day, another day, another day. And Rav Nosanzal says, if I recall, they did not do Kiddush Levana at all that month, many of the people. And afterwards, Rabbeinazal said to us, he stressed that a person has to make sure to do Kiddush Levana right away, as soon as you can. And Rabbeinazal said, even before seven days. We know that according to Sifrei Kabbalah, it stresses that a person should not be Mechadesh to Levana until seven days from the Moilad, from when the new moon has been born. This is based on the fact, again, that the moon represents the Shekhinah, the divine spirit of Hashem. The moon is compared to the wife. And just like a wife, a woman goes through seven days of purification before she's considered to be pure, so too there is this concept of waiting seven days before we say the special tefillah for the moon. But Rabbi Nezal said, look in the Shulchan Aruch, and you'll see that the majority of Paiskim agree that according to Halacha, according to the opinion in the Gemara, that you definitely can say Kiddush Levana before seven days, as we find in the Taz, in the Mogan Avram, in chapter 426 in Shulchan Aruch, where it speaks about this. And also the Primegodim, now here again, Rabbi Nezal lived outside of Eretz Yisrael. He lived in Ukraine, and, and in those countries during the winter, there's a lot of rain and steady rain very often, and cloudiness, tremendous cloudiness, where if a person waits, we know that there's a, a wire. A person can only do Kiddush Levana up until the 15th of the month. If a person's going to first start that from the seventh day, then you're leaving yourself only seven days period to be able to do it. So there Rabbeinazal said that a person should not necessarily be machmir, be machmir, be on what the Sifrei Kabbalah say, but rather, if it's already three days, three full days, 72 hours from the Moilad, and you see the moon, make sure you say Kiddush Levana. And Ramosasal points out that he once had an incident where he delayed in doing Kiddush Levana, and Rabbein Zal said to him, 
that even if it's cloudy, as soon as you're able to see the moon within the clouds, if it's not thick clouds, if it's thin clouds, make sure you say Kiddush Levana then. And, and Rabbi Nezal was stressing not to go into any unnecessary chumras. There are people who are machmir, that if it's a little bit cloudy, you know, can't say Kiddush Levana now. And he said, as soon as the moon is visible, even if there are clouds, as long as it's not thick clouds, if it's onon kolush, like the Shulchan Aruch says, you definitely are allowed to say the Kiddush Levana at that time. In Eretz Yisrael, generally, generally, the breast lovers wait for Moitzoi Shabbos. The Shulchan Aruch says one of the best times to do Kiddush Levana is Saturday night because people are wearing their Shabbos clothing, number one, and they're happy coming out of Shabbos. So it's a time, it's a special time for Kiddush Levana. And again, this issue of waiting the seven days. However, during the winter season, where even in Eretz Yisrael, there are times that it's rainy, etc. Again, these hakpodas, the, the only hakpodas that a person c- cannot say Kiddush Levana is before three days. You, know, you must wait at least 72 hours from when the moilet is. The next item, Tov Pei Dalet, 484. <coughs> Rav Zal says, I heard people quoting Rabbein Zal that said that there's a big Sahara by people who are lumdim. Lumdim means people who learn a lot of Gemara and Halacha, that they're always looking to come up with a Chiddush, their own Chiddush, that there's this question, and, and I say like this and this. And Rabbein Zal said that Sometimes this is a Yetzirah. People are looking, they, instead of focusing on really understanding clearly what the Gemara and what the Paiskin, what the other rabbis say, he's looking to find something that, that nobody, and nobody says, and I'll say this, and probably people are going to say, wow, I came out with something, a beautiful Chiddush. The next item, Tuf Pei 485, interesting that here it's 485, the number 485 is Bigimatria Tehillim. Rabbein Azal said, Agit Kapitel Tehillim as mezokt is Azoivia Punch. A good chapter of Tehillim, when a person is okay to say Tehillim, to say it really well, putting their heart into it, it's like a punch. A punch was a drink that they had in those days which was a combination of wine and honey. It was known to be a treat that they made for special occasions, at a wedding or something like that. So Rabbi Nezal said, <clears throat> when a person says a chapter to Tehillim and they're able to really put their heart into it, it's, it's very enjoyable. The person enjoys it like they enjoy that drink. Similar to this, the next paragraph, 486, Rabbi Nezal said, that when a person, when Hashem helps a person sometimes, and a person feels a real joy, a thrill, in doing a mitzvah, whether it's learning something or doing any other kind of a mitzvah, Rabbi Nezal said that's a, a, a person's experiencing a taste of olam haba in this world. And Rabbi Nezal said, like, there's no way to this, it's an indescribable high. Sometimes a person is davening, and a person's heart opens up, and they're really, really able to, 
to feel that their heart is in it. And again, it's a high, Rabbi Nezal said, <clears throat> that's like an, a taste of Olam Haba. The next item, Tov Pei Zayin, Rabbi Nezal said that tzaddikim are mistaken in, in davening past the time, past the time that a person is permitted to daven. During Rabbi Nezal's time, there were people who, was, who were known, especially in the world of Hasidus, who for different reasons, there were people that felt that it's very important to learn before davening, to learn Musr, to do other things before davening Shachris. And Rabbi Nezal said that this is a mistake. This is a mistake. The issue of davening past the time, past the time, the Zman Kriyashma or the Zman Tfilo. We know that according to the Gemara, a person, the, the prime time for davening Shachris is Netzachama at sunrise. And a person who doesn't, doesn't daven at sunrise, that's already considered to be a lower level, a lower level than those that are davening at the sunrise, at Netz. But here he's talking about people who chas v'shalom delay much further than that. Rabbi Nezah once made a comment, there are people who say that first if I learn for a couple hours before davening or other things that I do, <clears throat> then my davening is, I'm able to really daven, it's a much, much better davening. So Rabbi Nezah said this could be compared to a beautiful etrog on Hanukkah. A gorgeous esrog on Hanukkah can't make a bracha on it, and it's, it's not serving the purpose. So tefillah also, there, there, there's a time for tefillah. The, the standard tefillah, shachris min chamayrev, there's a time when, when, the, when the person is supposed to say these tefillahs, and we know usually zrizin makdim and lemitzvahs. Usually if a person has an opportunity to daven earlier or later, usually it's preferred earlier. We know when it comes to mincha, there's Mincha Ketana and Mincha Gedoyla. There we're told that according to many opinions, Davani Mincha before Shkia, closer to Shkia, is preferred over Davani Mincha earlier in the day, right after midday. You're allowed to Davani Mincha Gedoyla a half hour after midday, a half hour after Chatzois, but that's considered not as preferred as Davani later if it's before the Shkia, if a person is davening before Shkia. But here again, if, if there's any chance that a person is not going to be able to daven later for whatever reason, there the caution is always, try to get it done, the earlier the better. Any questions? The next paragraph Tov Peiches, 488. There's a term used in the Gemara, in Sifrei Kabbalah especially, Kaf HaKela, which means you have a slingshot, something that's used to shoot rocks or things like that, and there's the pouch, the pouch in which the rock is put that swings in this, in this, in this Kela. So Rabbi Nezal said, Kaf Kela, the words Kafkela are bigimatria, 300 years, which the chassan, the groom, was wandering around. And Rav Nosanzal says there's a story like this about a chassan that as soon as he f- completed the chuppah, 
He was wandering from house to house, from city to city. And, and Rav Nosson Zal doesn't elaborate on what the story was. And he says, I heard that this story was actually told over in the names of elder tzaddikim. Actually, it was told over in the name of one of the students of the Baal Shem Tov, Rav Yeva Sova, who was one of the students of the Baal Shem Tov. But Rav Nosson Zal doesn't write what the story is, and I haven't seen it. I didn't see it in other versions of Chaim Aran. I, I haven't seen it mentioned. If I can, maybe I'll try to ask if any of the Breslavers are aware of this, if it is written in any other place. The next item, 489, Rav Nosson Zal says, I heard that one time somebody came to see Rabbeinazal, and Rabbeinazal said to him, recently, the Tsar of, of Yovan and the Tsar of Tsarfat both came. <clears throat> the term Tsar means the angel that represents this country. Now, at that time, during Rabbeinazal's time, Russia, the country Russia, was led by the, the, the Tsars of Russia were Greek Orthodox. So could be that he's referring to when he says Sar Shalyovon, he means the angel that represented the country of Russia and the angel of France. That this was around the time of the Napoleonic, Napoleonic Wars when these two countries were fighting. And they asked me, who's going to win? Which country is going to win, France or Russia? And Rabbi Nezal said, I answered them, Whoever sides with the Jewish people, whoever is better to the Jewish people, that's the one that's going to win. Did the Russians give more support to the Jewish people at the time than the French? To be honest, I don't know. I don't know. There is discussion in a few places in Rabbi Nezal that there was a debate among the tzaddikim at the time, who they should vote for, who they should side with. During the war, when Napoleon at that time had set out and was starting to conquer countries, was starting to, to have win major battles, there was a debate who to side with among the tzaddikim. The next item, Rav Nosanzal writes, there was a child that was nine years old, that was sick and had a certain sickness called shtechanis. Shtechanis means where a person feels like needles, needles pressing them. And his father sent him to Rabbeinazal, and Rabbeinazal spoke to this child, even though he was nine years old, Rabbeinazal spoke to him at length and spoke to him about, gave him musr, because this child was suffering from anxiety all kinds of fears and phobias. And Rabbi Nezal said to him, what do you have to be afraid of now? <coughs> Think about the fear that you'll have when they'll take you to a cemetery and that they put a person in a cemetery, bury a person, and then everybody leaves and you're alone there by yourself. That Now you're afraid to go out at night alone? Now, now you don't have to be afraid. If you're afraid now, what are you going to feel then? And Rabbi Nezal spoke words of Musa to this child. And he said to him, which normal person would light a match to themselves? Which normal person would burn themselves? 
he said when a person does an Avera, it's like the person taking a match to themselves with their own hands. The person knows that chas v'shom, there's Gehenim for this. And, and how in the world could a person not have pity on themselves and not burn themselves with their own hands? Then Rabbi Nezal told this child that something that could help cure him from this illness is to take dirt that people have stepped on, like in the entranceway to a house, and take that dirt, put it into a keli, put it on the fire until it becomes white, like white ashes, and, and make it good and hot. And that, that dirt, place it on your side, and that'll help you, that'll help cure you from this sickness, this shtechenis. Afterwards, years later, this child got older, and he said that he remembered, he never forgot the Musr that Rabbi Nassau told him at that time, he still remembers it. And other things that Rabbi Nassau had told him at the time. And Rabbi Nassau says, we see here that even when it came to a child, nine years old, Rabbi Nassau wanted very much to try to infuse him with Yira Shemayim, so that he should start, even at that age, you know, really realizing what's important in life and what to focus on life <clears throat> with the hope and, and, and confidence that he'll remember it. You talk to a child at that age, if you say the right things, the child remembers it even when they get older. Like the Pasuk says, <laughs> speak to a, a youth according to what he can understand at that time. <laughs> when he'll get older, He'll remember, he won't forget. <clears throat> Children especially sometimes are very impressionable. You tell a child something that makes sense to them, that they can understand, it could stay with them for their whole life. And Rabbi Nezal said there were other things that Rabbi Nezal spoke to that boy specifically several times about removing the Orla Salev, getting rid of the, the Yetzirah in the heart, and Rav Nassim says, I heard also from several other people who were young, they were children during the time when, when Rav Nassim was alive, and they told me incredible things that they heard from him during their youth, and they still remember them now. And they remember how Rav Nassim was hinting to them things, telling them things, which when they would get older, they would appreciate it much more. Any questions? We'll hold it over here for now. We're starting a new week. We're still in the month of Shvat. We celebrated Tuba Shvat last week. And, and this past Shabbos, we had Shabbashira, the splitting of the Red Sea. Hashem giving the Mon to Bnei Yisrael, major miracles. And this coming Shabbos is Kabbalah Satoira, Parshas Yisroi, where we're going to read the Asera Sadibrois which includes in it the entire Torah. There are 620 letters in the Aserah Sadibrois, in the Ten Commandments. And we, we see that it was Yisroi, this person who was so far from Hashem, this person, person who the Torah says worshipped all the different idols, when he came close, when he said, now I realize that Hashem is greater than all those idols, that's what made such a big splash that Hashem decided to go public, to give the Torah to the world on Har Sinai, the whole public thing. 
That was one major contributing factor. And Rashi also says there in Chumash, it says, Vayichan Shom Yisroel Negedohor, that the Jews rested opposite Har Sinai. So Rashi says there, it should have said, Vayachanu, they rested. If you're talking about the Jewish nation, Vayichan is singular. Rashi says, Ke'ishechod Balevechod, that they were all united. They were like one person at the time. And Rashi says there, all other times when they came to a place, there were complaints, there were complaints, there were arguments, there was a lack of unity. This was the first time that there was this level of unity, and that's what brought them, that's what gave us the schus that Hashem gave us the Torah. We should be zorcha now to do whatever we can to bring about shalom, shalom bias, peace in the house, peace with our neighbors, peace with our friends, people with, peace with the people in our shul, and be that Hashem should go public again with the Geula Shleim, the final Geula, with the coming of Moshiach, the Binyan Beis Amikdash, Bemeir Rabbi Ameinu, Amen Vyomein.